uh, on Sunday at regular time, Sunday school and worship service. Sunday school starting at 10, worship service at 11 at regular time. And I believe the prayer chain on Saturday is going to continue uninterrupted. So if you're involved in that, uh, please continue to do so. Nothing has changed as far as that schedule goes. So tonight, um, it being the service prior to the Christmas service, I guess is what we would call it. It's the 23rd, so it's about as close to Christmas as we're going to get. So um, I, I, I selected a topic that is close to Christmas, but not quite. Um, we're going to speak, or I'm going to speak just for a little bit. Y'all can speak too if you want to, but I have the microphone, so y'all are going to have to listen to me. Um, I'm going to talk about John the Baptist for a little while. Um, he was a precursor to Jesus, right? So um, Christmas is about Jesus' birth. We're in the service, the precursor service to the Christmas service. So I figure we'll start with the um, precursor to Jesus' birth, which is the birth of John the Baptist. So I'm going to be reading a lot from the uh, first chapter of the book of Luke. So uh, feel free to skip along with me, but I'm not going to ask you to stand. Otherwise, y'all can just might as well just stand the whole time because I'm going to be reading scripture on and off, on and off the whole time. And some of it is in uh, different translations just to kind of help us understand better what the scripture is saying. But um, I'm going to do my best to stick as close to King James as I can um, without stumbling over my own words and or saying something that's um, perhaps not as clear to us today as it was to them then. So Luke chapter 1 um, the first few verses mention the prior accounts of uh, the life of Jesus. So it's talking, it's talking. Excuse me. It's talking about um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those those books of the Bible that were written prior to the book of Luke. Um, they were firsthand accounts. Some of them. Um, other ones are sort of pieced together. Maybe there was some firsthand. Maybe. Um, other pieces were taken from the other books or from interviews made from other people. But the book of Luke is uh, written by a very educated man, a man who did his research. And he makes that clear in the beginning of the book of Luke. He, and it's actually written in uh, almost a different language than like the first three or four sentences are, are written in, um, I forget what they call it. It's in my notes here. I'm going to have to have to look at it. But the first few uh, scriptures were written in, they call it the original Greek. It's refined, academic, and classical style of writing, right? So most people then didn't use um, the original Greek. They didn't read in it. They didn't write in it. They used um, kind of like a commoner's version of the Greek language, right? So whenever they read the other accounts, like the book of Matthew, Mark, and uh, and John, those those accounts aren't necessarily legible to most people back then, right? Because they didn't have anybody there to translate them. They just had what they had, right? So it was usually written in... Um, it's similar to how, like, the Catholic Church will read their scriptures in Latin, or or the old Catholic Church would... And not everybody can read Latin, right? So uh, you just had to trust what people told you, right? So the reason Luke wrote the first few sentences like that 
was to illustrate that he was an educated man and that he knew um, and could read everything that was already written about Jesus. But then he wrote the rest of it in like a commoner language. And the reason for that is so that everybody could read it. It was, it was basically the gospel of Jesus for everyone, right? That was his, his contribution was trying to write something that anybody could read, anybody could understand, and to spread the gospel of Jesus through this manner, right? So all of that taken to the side, the first verses that I actually want to read um, starts with verse 5, I believe. And in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abiha, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and his, her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. In verse 8, And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the in the order of his course. According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading two different versions here. I'm making sure I'm, I'm telling you the truth here. Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. So there's a lot of things going on in those few, that handful of scriptures. Right, so starting at the beginning, it talks about being in the days of Herod. So he gives it a specific time, definite time, the time uh, of Herod the Great, who was a king. And uh, he was a very mean person. He was not a nice guy. Um, he was not a descendant of Israel, um, but a descendant of Esau, who was Jacob's brother, and an Edomite. Um, but he was known primarily for like building things pretty much, but he was known even more for being insanely cruel to people, um, which drove him to execute a whole bunch of people, including his own family. Um, he was not a nice guy. He was not a pleasant person to be around, I'm sure. And then it says a certain priest named Zacharias and his wife was Elizabeth. So they goes through and it, it gives you Zacharias. He's of this order. Elizabeth was the daughter of Aaron and Basically, they go through and they validate the the uh, genealogy of Zacharias and Elizabeth, and um, and then it goes on to specify say that they were righteous people. They were good in everything that they did. Right? They followed the uh, they were obedient to the Lord. Um, it doesn't say anything bad about either one of them, but it does say that she was barren. That they were going to have no children. Um, 
So first point I'm going to make tonight is uh, just because something bad is happening to you or you feel like, um, you know, some, God has judged you in a certain way or manner does not necessarily mean that you're doing anything wrong. Um, sometimes God, God's plan is bigger than what we can see at the moment, right? And I know it's extremely hard to see because I've been in the situation where you're just looking at yourself saying, what did I do to deserve this? Um, but then two, three, four, five, 10, 15 years down the road, you see it for what it is and for what God planned it to be and how it changed your life and how it affected you. And you see that God really does have a plan. And then in verse 8, it says, uh, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense. So it doesn't really make sense to us now because we're not up here burning incense for anyone. But um, it, was, um, it was custom back then that only certain priests of certain lineage could serve inside the temple, right? Um, so over the years, those number, that number, that family, right, that lineage, got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So they said that around the time that Jesus was born, there's probably like 20,000 priests who could serve in the temple. It's a lot of priests. So they basically drew names, right? Like, or, or straws to see who would do what, right? So which priest would serve, which priest would serve when. Um, and it might, uh, might fall to where a priest would only serve once in their whole life. That's the only time they ever do it. Um, so to somebody like Zacharias, who was righteous and obedient to God all his life and did everything the right way, a godly man, it was probably like the biggest thing that had ever happened. It was probably like running home with the short straw to show his wife, look what I got. I'm serving in the temple right now. And um, it was probably a tremendous privilege for him, once in a lifetime type thing. And I'm sure he wondered what it would be like to burn incense, to be in the temple. But um, I think he didn't ever imagine God to come forward and uh, send an angel to speak to him um, directly. So it's easy to imagine somebody being excited about doing their job that they've looked forward to their whole life. And I can speak from experience. There's fun parts of my job, right, where I get to do great things for people. Like once a year, we get to hand out bonuses. And, and raises. We do it all at the same time. We say, okay, here's your raise for next year. Um, you know, it's, here's your evaluation and here's your bonus from last year for all the hard work you did, right? And last year was great for me because it's the first year I was involved in the handing out, right? Um, I actually like wrote evaluations for people and, and did all that kind of stuff. And there was one guy, man, I'll never forget the look on his face. So he has been working, he's been working for us for like, for the company for probably 16 years now, 16, almost 17. Guy was making like $4 over minimum wage. It was crazy. Like I never in my life have I ever seen anybody this dedicated. And he was hardworking guy. I mean, do anything you asked him to. If you told him, put on rubber boots, I need you in the sewer. He'd do it in a minute. No complaint, nothing. Always do exactly what you ask, worked hard. Great employee, best employee we have probably. And he was making nothing, absolutely nothing. So we get, went to give him his, his evaluation and, and like we showed him like, okay, here's your bonus. And you see the tears well up in his eyes and, and, and like, okay, now here's your raise. And 
my boss put it down on the table and gave him like like a 45% raise right there on the, on the spot and, and tears started coming down his face and he like ste- stepped out of the room so he could call his wife and tell her what was going on and all this stuff and and like that that's exciting to me because it's coming up in April and we're doing all of our evaluations now so I, I only have like one or two people that don't have great things going on and the rest of them it's all good stuff and I love doing that because I mean you're you're showing somebody like hey your hard work pays off you matter we care about you you know the company has your back all this stuff right and not everybody gets that all the time so it's a good feeling to have I get excited about my job I know y'all don't really care because y'all have no idea who I'm talking about but I get excited about it and I enjoy it right and I'm sure Zachariah felt the same way right this is the one time he gets to do what he is meant to do, right? The whole reason he took the job was for this, and it's coming up. And then it turns out to be so much more than he could ever imagine, right? So according to the law of Moses, um, incense was offered to God on the golden altar every morning and every evening, right? So um, it was an established practice, right? This is something they did for years and years and years and years and years. Right? They did it all the time. And suddenly, it's Zachariah's turn. Right, So he, he drew the short straw, gets to do it, goes in there to light the incense. And I'm sure that you know one priest is doing it in the morning, one is doing it in the evening. And then all of a sudden, Zachariah is lighting the incense. And all of a sudden, like right next to him, an angel appears, like, I would be freaking out, I don't know, I, I mean, how do you not leave and go be like, hey, there's a dude in here, <laughs> like, he's got wings, he's glowing, he's talking to me, I, I would be freaking out, right, but somehow he keeps his calm, I guess, it doesn't say that he did, but I'm gonna guess that he was dignified and holy and, and knew what to do, and, uh, he gets this message that him and his wife are going to have a son, which is great, right? So the whole multitude of people are outside whenever he gets this news. So um, immediately when he gets this news, Zachariah looks at the angel and says, how do I know that this is going to be true? And so the angel says, you know what? I'm going to make it so you're, um, you're deaf and dumb. You can't speak. You can't hear, right? And so basically uh, you can't tell anybody what's coming. Sorry. So immediately he can't talk, can't hear, um, and here I'll, I'll read the scripture because it, it gives it a better description than I will. I'm going to butcher this. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So Zechariah's attitude was, thanks for the promise, right? But how do I know that me and my wife are actually going to have a kid? Um, can you give me a sign? <laughs> and, and it's not that he doesn't want to believe it. It's that he's a human being, right? He really wants to have a kid, I'm sure, because um, that's his legacy. That's how his, his name will be passed down is by having children. And he 
he probably was trying to protect himself from disappointment, right? And we do that to ourselves a lot, especially with God's promises. Uh, we tend to take it and step back a minute and say, okay, hold on, I can't get too excited. We can't put all of our faith in God's promise because what if it doesn't happen? I don't want to be too disappointed, right? And whenever we do that, whenever we take God's promise and then we take a step back and we back off from it, and guess what? God takes a step back too. It doesn't mean he's not going to fulfill his promise because he always fulfills his promises. But then Zechariah couldn't tell anybody about God's promise. He was mute. So he looked at the circumstances first and at what God can do last. And we as humans are tempted to think that that's logical. But if God is real and there's nothing that he can't do, there's nothing logical about putting circumstances before God. And verse 21 says, And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned them to rem- beckoned them, beckoned to them and remained speechless. And so it was that as soon as the days of his service were completed, he departed to his own house. So basically he came out and, you know, made some hand motions, tried to communicate to them, tell them that what, what he had seen and then... Whenever his days of service at the temple were completed, he went home. And then after those days, Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he had looked on me to take away my reproach from among my people. Um, Elizabeth was not trying to hide her pregnancy. I, I know it, it sounds like that to us whenever it says that she hid herself. Um but at the time um, when she would be least noticed as pregnant, she had left. She was gone. She went away to spend time with the Lord and to meditate on what God was trying to give her and bless her with. Right? It wasn't that she was trying to hide. It was that she was taking some time to herself so that she could uh, kind of cope with the blessing of God and find out exactly what it is that he wants from her. And then... While this is happening, um, Gabriel is sent to Mary in Nazareth and tells her that she's going to have a child, right? And this is where the paths of Jesus and John start to be intertwined, right? And the same with Mary and Elizabeth. They were cousins. And uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And it goes on through the whole story, and um, and essentially, I mean, we all we all know the the Christmas story, or I hope we all do. I know all of you, and you've all come to this church for quite a while. I'm sure you all know the Christmas story, um, and if you don't, I encourage you to read it at Christmas. Uh, we've made a tradition of that in our family in several different segments of our family. I guess is what you could call it: my wife's family, my mom's family, all this. We, we Every gathering that we have, we read the Christmas story and uh, talk about how Jesus came to be, right? Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about this tonight is because it's not always clear how John is intertwined, right? So God sent John to come before Jesus, um, to pave the way, right? To uh, prepare men for the coming of Jesus, 
to teach them things about repentance and uh, about the Christ that was to come. And we put very little emphasis on the birth of John, right? It's only, it's only a few months before Jesus, and it is very important. And um, I think that we should all be aware of who John is and what he came for. Missing a scripture, sorry. But with or without the scripture, I'll go ahead and talk about it so y'all have to forgive me. Oh, here it is. Now Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is the moment whenever they meet, right? This is the moment um, whenever John the Baptist leaps with joy in the womb because he had a spiritual awareness that could respond to the Spirit of God, which was Jesus inside of Mary, right? And um, uh, a commentator named Trapp says, such comfort there is in the presence of Christ, though but in the womb, as it made John to spring. What then shall it be in heaven, think we? So basically what he's saying is, if there is such a presence of God to make John leap in the womb, and even though Christ is in the womb and John is in the womb, they are but babes, and John leapt with joy. Uh, what shall it be in heaven whenever we are there with Jesus? Um, and it's something to think about, and it's something to to look forward to. But one thing we never need to forget is that even though Jesus came and Jesus saved us, that there was one who came before and paved the way and it's not about John paving the way for Jesus. That's not what I, the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is not everybody in this world gets dropped in the pool with Jesus. Not everybody that we meet is going to hop right in to whatever gospel we tell them to. Sometimes it takes somebody to kind of herd them around. Sometimes it takes somebody to kind of uh, clear the brush out of the way, um, make it a little easier for them to see what it is that we really believe. And I've gone through times in my life whenever I've tried to reach somebody, especially um, as a teenager or a very, very young adult, like 19, 20, 21, um, and all through my high school years, whenever I would try to invite somebody to church. And uh, we had a very active youth group at the time. We had the youth choir going on. We had a bunch of visitors all the time. Uh, in our Sunday school class, and none of them are here. I mean, Tuan's here. Tuan came during that time. And, but all, all those visitors that would come in and come like two services and then disappear and you never hear from them again. Um, the strange thing is now, at this point in my life, like I'll make contact randomly with somebody from high school, and I find out now that, oh, they're looking for a church to start going to or they're they're having bible studies over in the church in Mount Bellevue where I grew up 
you know, I, that's the town where I grew up, and I find out, oh, they're going to church over there now. And it encourages me in my heart to know that all the work that we put in and all the, all the effort that we made to invite them to church and to get them here was not in vain. Um, because, honestly, you get discouraged sometimes. I mean, just being real, we're all, we're all fellow church members here. We know how it gets sometimes. You invite somebody, and then, oh, they don't want to have anything to do with it. They think you're crazy, uh, and they start avoiding you at work. And, <laughs> but you know how, how, what I'm talking about, right? But what I'm trying to tell you tonight is you may not always see your results immediately, but there are results. There are things that happen. And it's the same way with um, what I was talking about earlier with things that happen in your life and you feel like um, a judgment has been passed on you or something is set in a bad way against you. And that's not always the case. Like I said earlier, God has a bigger plan. God has something going on that we may not be able to see at the moment. And now, now that I'm 25, I can look back and see that five years ago, 10 years ago, whenever I was trying to reach somebody and I felt like a fool because they rejected it at the time, I realized that all I was doing was walking up and tearing this vine out of the way so they could get a little bit of a clearer picture or watering the seed that somebody else had planted or planting one myself so that they could begin to think about the things of God and what they need to believe in and where home is and um, where they can always find God. And that's all I, all I have tonight. If y'all would stand with me, I'm, I'm short-winded tonight. But the whole point, if Brother Grant will come, the whole point that I'm trying to make tonight is don't be discouraged. Um, don't give up. And definitely, definitely don't think that whenever you reach out to somebody or whenever you um, try to share the gospel with someone that you're not making any headway whatsoever. Because even whenever it seems like you hit a brick wall or whenever you're caught and tangled up in the brush, it, it, it's not futile. You may hit a wall, but guess what? You hit that wall over and over and over again. Guess what? The wall will break. If you keep getting tangled in brush and keep getting tangled in brush, eventually you'll tear it all out, right? And it may not be you. It may not be the person after you. It may not happen for 20 years. But if we keep working and we keep pushing and we keep trying to reach people, um, eventually the way will be paved for Jesus to come into their lives and to, to move in their hearts. Amen? Let's give Austin a hand.